to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome or welcome back to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. So pleased that you could join us today as we continue this series on how young people are transformed. My name's Tim. I'm part of the Limitless team, and I'll be your host for today's conversation. But before we get into that, I just want to extend an invitation to you to Limitless Leaders. Limitless Leaders, ah, it's one of my favorite times of the year as we gather together with children's and youth ministry leaders at the Hayes Conference Center in Derbyshire. Uh, 2024, it's from the 30th of January to the 1st of February. It's three days of practical equipping, like-minded community, and spirit-filled ministry. And friends, you are invited. So head to the website, limitlesselim.co.uk forward slash leaders to find out more. And I'll look forward to seeing you there. (laughs) Now, uh, with that in mind, we're continuing this conversation today about how young people are transformed. And the premise of this series, in case you need a reminder, is that the goal of children's and youth ministry is to create the conditions in which children and young people can be continually transformed into the likeness of Christ. That's what we're about. That's that's our goal uh, as youth leaders. And with that in mind, we've been uh, journeying together uh, along this transformation pathway. We've been talking about the things that need to be present uh, in our lives and therefore in our ministries if we are going to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. And so we kicked off this series uh, with my opening keynote, actually from Limitless Leaders last year, uh, where I unpicked that uh, transformation pathway uh, piece by piece. And then we've had some uh, fantastic conversations. And guys, if you haven't listened to the previous episodes, I really want to encourage you to do that. Uh, We spoke with Susie Aldridge about uh, pedagogy and the renewing of our minds. Uh, then we spoke with with Jaren Oda uh, from uh, Bridgetown about practice and, and and the practices of the spiritual life that help us to be uh, help us to become more like Jesus. And then we had a great conversation, didn't we, last month uh, with the wonderful Phil Knox as we talked about people and 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 the the primacy of our relationships in in who we become. Uh, And today, uh, we are going to be talking about pain. Now, the idea of this uh, conversation is that the the inconvenient truth is that pain so often is the great catalyst for transformation in our lives. Think of uh, James chapter one. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, writes James. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. And so we know that that God uses seasons of pain to develop uh, spiritual maturity in our lives. And it's my great privilege today to be able to have a conversation with a a friend of of many years, uh, Sarah, who I'll introduce to you in a moment, um, who's who's recently been walking through a season of pain in her own life uh, as she has been battling with cancer. And so with that in mind, I just want to give you that warning ahead of time that we are going to be talking about cancer today. And we know that for so many of us, 
that's so personal. And, and I know this is going to be a helpful conversation, but if it's not one uh, that you think you're able to listen to just now, then I just wanted to warn you about that up front. But uh, with that in mind, let me introduce my friend, Sarah, Sarah Wilson to you. Sarah, welcome to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. Woohoo! Hello, hi everyone. And I feel very welcome to the Limitless Leaders Podcast. <laughs> yes, yeah, so good to have you uh, with us, Sarah. Sarah, um, before we go anywhere else, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, about your life, about, about what ministry looks like for you. Tell us, Sarah, uh, as this is a podcast for leaders in youth ministries, tell us a little as well about your journey in youth ministry mm. over the years in its various uh, forms. Yeah, well, thank you very much. Hello, everyone. Um, I, can I just say, although I don't always work with young people anymore, I absolutely miss working with young people. Just this summer, I got involved in like a summer school for some young people. And I was like, I miss hanging out with young people so much. But anyway, <laughs> um, that's how I started. I was a 13 year old, unchurched, kind of scrappy teenager in South Wales, in Caerphilly, Cumbria Bead, uh, for all my Welsh <laughs> listeners. Um, and my neighbours went to church and they invited me along and I kind of realized oh Jesus is real right I should I should follow him um and then I it took me a really long time to figure out what that looked like and how to do that um and I was invited to help lead young people I was invited to be involved in sharing the good news of people and I was an itinerant youth evangelist for a number of years um I used to carry Mark Greenwood's bags back in the day rock up to things with him um and then kind of graduated into just different areas of ministry and life and leadership um and for a really long time probably up until maybe just the last eight years or so I've been involved in in youth ministry and working with young adults and working with young leaders um so as you can tell I'm Welsh um but I live in the great great city of Birmingham we are the second city it is stunning I love it we will not have a bad word said against the wonder that is Birmingham and I live in North <laughs> Birmingham uh which is kind of considerably less cooler than where the cool Birmingham people live but that's okay um I am part of uh, a church called Elim Life Church in the north of the city and I absolutely love being part of that church I've been um one of the leaders there for 13 years oh my goodness, how did that happen? Um, but And I'm also involved in lots of things to do with prayer. I lead Elin Prayer, kind of championing um, life transforming prayer across our movement. My role locally is now head of prayer and leadership development. Um, I love Jesus. I love chocolate. I am, I think, the auntie to two of the most amazing nieces in the whole entire world. Uh, and I say this often, I will arm wrestle you for that title. Uh, and yeah, I just, that's kind of a bit about who I am, really. I love adventure. I love time with people. Um, and uh, I'm actually really grateful to still be alive. So that's, that's me. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that provides a, a really helpful segue, Sarah, into the, the topic of, of, of conversation today, because, you know, as we alluded to at the start and as you alluded to there, you you, you have been walking through a, a, a season of pain over the last, well, I guess, 18 months or so. Yeah, um, nearly two. Yeah, nearly two years. Nearly two yeah. years now, right? Yeah, and 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 I would ask you to share that story and, and walk us through that in a in a few minutes. But, but but before we get there, before could you tell us about like a bit more about like what what life was like in the kind of immediate moments before mm. that 
cancer diagnosis because because Sarah you you are like people can hear your kind of you know effervescent outgoing personality like I'll take you, all of that Tim yeah. I'll take it all more <laughs> and you like you are a an action-oriented leader your life was uh I'm not suggesting too full but you know full of good godly activity and 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 ministry um and then this diagnosis came. So, so take us back to, to life in the kind of immediate months before that diagnosis and, and, and all the things that you were involved in. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, thank you for your kind words. I'll take them all. Um, <laughs> so I, yeah, I have always been someone who um, is better when I'm involved in lots of things rather than just focusing on one thing, even though I really know prayer and leadership development are like the two sort of twin focuses of my life or twin foci. Mm. I don't know. Anyway. Um, but before that I was co-lead, um, leading the church at Elam Life Church, but we had been with another co-leader, lead minister for two years through COVID. So I'd led us and the team had led us. We'd led together through COVID and I was, we were coming out the other end of that. We still didn't have a new lead pastor yet. Um, when I was starting to begin to feel unwell. Uh, so that was all, that was kind of, so there was the uncertainty around that as I was leading up to not, not, discovering I had cancer. Um, I was leading Elin Prayer, so involved in kind of stuff across the Elin movement, speaking, coaching, encouraging, equipping, facilitating, all of that stuff. I'm a Spring Harvest speaker and host, and I'm on the leadership group there. I was involved in Europe-wide prayer mobilization and equipping. I'd been part of a, a group that had brought like nations together across Europe to pray with and for Europe. I'm a leadership coach. Um, so I, I, I have had the privilege of coaching some of our ministers and training through Elim and in other spaces. I love traveling. I literally love like just turning up at the airport. I've never quite managed to do it in this way, but you know, like, where am I going to go? I, I love adventure, new things, very independent, lots of energy. Um, and that was my life really before before discovering a lump in my breast and mm. finding out that it was breast cancer. And so mm. um, life radically and very rapidly changed for yeah. me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was kind of like life before. Like I live in Birmingham, my family in Wales, I would be getting back to see them every month, you know, that kind of stuff. I, I would be traveling to see friends who live all over the country um, it was really that um, I I wasn't around and involved in things, but I was really good at taking rest as well. So I had got to the point of I had weekly Sabbaths and I had taken time out to pray. Wednesdays was like my prayer day. I didn't put anything else in my diary. I just hung out with Jesus all day praying, which just sounds beautiful. Um, so I actually was like living my dream life, I guess yeah, you could say. Yeah, yeah. I was I was really enjoying you, you, you it. You stopped short of saying living my best life then, didn't you? I can see. I did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm cheesy for my match. <laughs> but I was, I was, I, you know, I was living, I was living into some of the things I've been praying for and yeah. living into some yeah. of the, you know, and and heading into the year. So I found a lump in my breast Christmas week of 2021. Um, and uh, originally we just thought it was like an infection and a cyst. I was training at that point, uh, to go to a country that I can't name with open doors who work with Piscator Church. So I was doing training for like how to escape a kidnapping and stuff because I was supposed to be going to a country, um, and meeting with some Christians secretly. Um, and so I was in the middle of that training 
we were interviewing someone to take on the role of the lead pastor at Elam Life Church. Um, and so it was looking like my role was going to be able to change because really felt that God had given me permission to release some of the local church leadership stuff so that I could give more energy and effort and time and attention to the national and European picture. Um, and so as I ended 2021 and started 2022, it was like almost everything was up in the air. Yeah. It was like, wow. Yeah. So, so can, can I, let me, let me jump in there, Sarah, because, Go. um, it takes a while, doesn't it, um, to find your sweet spot? Like it, it takes self-awareness, it takes prayer, it takes revelation to uh, and and just time with God to work out like what like who has he made me to be? What has he made me passionate about? What what's like what are the unique what's the unique contribution I can make to this world and to 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 the kingdom mission on earth? And then once you kind of begin to work that out, it takes even more time to kind of arrange <laughs> your life in order to to step into it. And so you've kind of you've 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 been on that journey and you've arrived in in these immediate moments before um your cancer diagnosis, Sarah, in this real sweet spot in mm. your life where you've got this great self-awareness of who God's made you to be, and you've actually been able to arrange largely your life and schedule to to live that stuff out mm. and so it's like well you know okay here here we are like the train's on the tracks and we're rolling let's go and then let's go. suddenly everything is it would appear derailed in a yeah. moment can i ask you um and you know we'll we'll get to kind of how you process this over time mm-hmm. but upon receiving that diagnosis sarah what were the immediate feelings emotions questions mm. um how did you like in the in i'm talking like in in the, the moments. moments the days yeah. and, and, and weeks following like what was it like with you and god and inside of your heart and mind mm. at that particular moment that's a really good question so um because my my cancer didn't present like cancer normally does. Um, I I had from December to the middle of February been told it's not cancer. It's not cancer. It's an abscess. It's a cyst. I'd been to see surgeons. I'd been back and forth for tests. I mean, the NHS Mm. are amazing. It's a system that is under pressure, but they were absolutely brilliant with me. Mm. Um, And then I, because nobody thought it was cancer and I'm an eternal optimist. So I didn't think it was cancer. No history of it in my family like that. Um, I went to the appointment on that Friday um, really just expecting them to go, yeah, we, we might have to do some kind of surgery to remove some fluid or whatever. Sorry to get gross on you. Um, <laughs> and I, I went in and the consultant was like, I'm really sorry, Sarah. We can't confirm, but it might be cancer. And it was the first time mm. that anyone had acknowledged this might, I'd seen like, I don't know, four or five people by this wow. point who had all said, no, no, no. Also, I'm a real prude when it comes to my body. So, like, there was also the indignity yeah, of it being yeah. in a very personal part of your body. Yeah, and I had, yeah. like, three or four people peering at you, and you're like, oh, I could see And so I was Gosh. awkward. I was embarrassed. I didn't mm. know quite what to do with myself. Um, and so she said, we're going to take a biopsy. And so she got this giant needle out. 
and just stuck it in me and seven times took little bits out and she oh, said gosh. we'll be in we'll be in touch and I was on my own I walked out of the hospital and just the realization that this may be something serious mm-hmm. um and if I'm honest I've always feared getting seriously ill mm. um because I'm a person who likes to have options yeah. <laughs> and who likes to be so involved. I was like, I think I will be the worst ill person ever. I think I'm going to be miserable and grumpy and depressed. And, and I, I just was, it's one of those things in the back of your mind that you don't really think about very often um, was like, Oh, I hope I don't ever get seriously ill. I hope my life doesn't become limited in some mm. way. Mm. Um, and as I walked out the hospital, you're shocked. You're trying to process things. I just honestly heard God's voice saying to me, it's okay, kiddo, I've got you. Wow. And I I can, I might cry, <laughs> not because I'm upset, but just because it's very emotional. And I am now an emotional yeah. wreck after the last two years, which is not a bad <laughs> thing because I think I was too, too t- tightly wound the other way before. Um, and I, I got into my car and I needed to bring my mum. Um, and I rung my mum and I was trying desperately not to cry mm. because she's in Wales and she's really worried and I didn't want to mm. get her upset. And we didn't, still didn't know. Um, and just saying, hey, look, mum, God's, you know, my family have an interesting relationship with God and faith. They're not necessarily, wouldn't necessarily identify themselves as Christian, although my mum mm. does love Jesus. Um, and so I was trying to reassure her and I, I came off the phone to her and I just burst into tears. Mm. And I was like, right, Okay. Let's see. And I think at the time I didn't realize how much that had affected me because I, like I said before, I'm quite um, an eternal optimist, but also I don't know if you're into the Enneagram stuff, but I'm an Enneagram seven, which means I reframe painful things into positive things. And it means that I avoid pain literally like the plague. Like I will do anything in the past. I'm very different person now, but in the past I would have done anything to avoid, you know, painful emotions, painful physical things. You know, I, I'm just like, let's just go. Yeah, we can see. And in some ways it's really helpful. You want someone who can see the positive angle of things and bring good things. Um, and then I really struggled to breathe. So for the next week I couldn't breathe. Wow. And it felt physical. And now I know they were worried that the cancer had spread into my lungs because I couldn't breathe. And so I was supposed to wait another two weeks for an appointment. And when they rung to say they were going to rearrange my appointment and make it later, I burst into tears on the phone. And the the receptionist was so kind. Um, And the consultant said, look, I'm willing to come in before the clinic starts and I'll see Sarah. Because even though we don't have all of her results back, we've got enough to tell her what's happening next. And so I took a friend with me this time. (laughs) Uh, I took a friend with me and I went and had some scans, some more scans. And then um, I went for something called a clip where they insert a tiny micro dot into you so that they can find the lump. And at that point you go in, well, if there's nothing there, they're not going to be putting something in, are they? Uh, and then, then they tell you it's cancer and again, tears, emotions, shock, um, but a sense of being held, I think I can't describe it any other way like that. Um, and then on the way home from that appointment, the hospital are getting in touch with me to say, this is a Friday. They said I couldn't go to my best friend's brother's wedding on that weekend because I might pick up an infection and they needed to start treatment straight away. It was aggressive. It was far along. It was the size of a, you know, massive strawberry. Um, 
I needed an intensive treatment course. So as I'm coming home on the Friday, I get a phone call to say, you've got an appointment with the oncologist who's like the cancer specialist on the Tuesday. So like, this is moving really quickly. I'm not allowed to see anyone. I'm now masked up because my immune system is going to be compromised and I need to, nothing to delay treatment. Um, and so then my brother and my mother came up and my brother came in with me to the oncologist. And by that point, we had done some research, some brilliant cancer support people out there. And we went in with a load of questions. I had a brilliant, brilliant oncologist who was very matter of fact, very kind mm. and was like, hey, look, this is aggressive and it, it, it is, um, you're quite young to have this. You know, I'm in my mid forties. It's not, it's not, um, the statistics are like, that's quite young. I know I might not feel like young or look like young, but that's quite young <laughs> to have this. And, um, he's like, but it is treatable. It is, we think it's curable. We think that if we do all the things, which will be aggressive and intensive. And my question was like, how long is it going to take? Can I still go to this country? Because <laughs> like, I was like, how can I boss cancer? And then very quickly realized you cannot boss cancer. <laughs> yeah. like, you just can't. You, you have to like work with what it is and what the treatment does to your body. And everything else is not important. Yeah. Everything else has to kind of just be put on pause you know, we had just a we had just had an interview with the new lead pastor for church. I'd met them, which Johnny and Bernie, um, and we'd interviewed them at the end of, of January. We'd given them the job. They were excited to be coming. Two weeks later, I'm reading this then stranger and going, hey, you know all the plans we had for you coming and starting in a few months' time. By yeah. the way, I've got yeah. breast cancer. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so, like, there was just, there was lots of uncertainty yeah. around my world and my life as well as lots of uncertainty around my health yeah. um so, so as, uh, let me just say this one more thing because i might forget as soon as they told me it was cancer i could breathe again i uh, so I, it was the uncertainty of not I knowing was, yeah i'd never struggled with anxiety before physically in that way yeah um and as soon as they told me i took a big deep breath and i never struggled with that again wow so that like period of waiting it was anxiety and now I recognize yeah. that in myself mm. and I know what that is now, whereas yeah. I didn't before. Mm. So you mentioned earlier, you touched on it earlier, but you, you know, you, you, you've got all of these things that you're involved in, all of these various different ministries and, and stuff going on. Um, you get this diagnosis, you're, you're, you're being essentially kind of rushed into treatment as, as quickly as possible. At, at that point, Sarah, did all of that stuff come off of the table? Um, was it like you, you mentioned, it's like that becomes the focus. Nothing else matters. Yeah. And, and yeah. And, uh, and how did you deal with it kind of internally going from all this stuff, you know, in which there's like a sense of purpose on doing something mm -hmm. for God and with God to now I am a patient and I'm being oh. treated. Like how, like how did you, yeah, talk, talk to us about what happened there and, and then yeah. again, how you kind of had to deal with that and process that with God. So I found that really, really difficult. Um, I'm used to being the one people come to for help, not the one who has to ask for and receive help. Wow. Um, and there comes a lack of independence and vulnerability. Mm. And I, in hindsight, I'm so grateful for that. Because I think there are wow. things I've learned wow. about 
community, about the kindness of God that is often expressed in the kindness of others. Yep. Um, you know, so there were lots of people rallying to support and help. And 95% of the response from people was really helpful and positive. Um and you just forget about the ones that weren't. Because um, <laughs> some people just don't know what to say. So they either yeah. ignore you or they say really ridiculous things. And so you just have to be like, so they'll start to go, oh, yeah, my friend had cancer and she died. And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like wow, we have, people we have skills. Can- <laughs> we have cancer bingo in the cancer community of all the things that people say to you that are really inappropriate. So now I have a sense of humor about it. But at the time, you're like, I don't need to know that. Gosh. Um, oh, goodness. So I think one of the hardest things was telling the people who were close to me. So telling my family, my best friends, um, like the, the church leadership group. And then we announced it publicly in the church because I announced it um, because I felt it was really important. They heard it from me and I wanted to set the tone yeah. for how we were going to respond. Wow. Um, I have had the privilege of walking up close and personal with people through cancer who've lived and who haven't lived. Yeah. And I've seen that in faith communities and in non like people without faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I wanted to set a tone of this is real. This is scary. This is painful. This is uncertain. I don't know what's going to happen yet. God, God is in charge. God is in control. Um, the church is not about me. It's about us as a community of people. So just because I'm not around anymore, as much as I would like to be, then that doesn't mean that everything stops or that we mm. stop, you know. And I was like, if you are not praying and leading into Jesus, I'm going to, you know. I was very much like for the church and for those around me, I wanted them to to turn to Jesus in it. Mm. And so one of the things that I felt at that point was I, I can't, I, I will not be helpful if I keep trying to be involved because who knows what I'm going to be like on any given day. Mm. I didn't know how treatment was going to affect me, but also I'm very conscious that um, we are like assistant pastor was holding everything together as well as being my housemate and primary carer, incredible woman, Sarah, Mm, um, with, you know, family and friends rotating in to help and support us, feeding Mm -hmm. us all of that Mm -hmm. stuff, taking me to the hospital, you know, everything. Um, but you know, that was a lot on her. We had a new minister coming, like all of that stuff was happening. Um, but I knew that if I was involved in any of those processes, that, that I would just derail them. Mm. And so what the church very kindly did was say, you are released from all responsibility, but if you want to add value to anything at any point where you feel you have capacity, you are welcome. You are welcome to okay. join in. Yeah. You, and I know that's a privilege. So I know it's a privilege to get a call early. I know it's a privilege to be able to arrange your own time. I know it's a privilege to still be able to be involved as and when, um, you know, a good Friday, that first Easter, I was in the middle of chemo treatments. I've never wept so much over the story of good Friday wow. <laughs> because yeah. I, I, I had a, an appreciation of Jesus as a suffering savior in a way that I had never understood before experienced before. Uh, and to know that he understood what it was to suffer was incredible. Um, mm. and then comes the realization that life is going to look very different Life is going to be very limited, but it's still life. So yeah. I didn't want to just survive. There were days I just survived. There were days I'll be. I don't want to 
glamorize pain either because I think we can do that um my hair fell out my eyebrows fell out my eyelashes fell out I was on steroids I couldn't sleep the first chemo treatment I had I was sick every 20 minutes through the night um like I um all the hair falls out like my taste went I had ulcers in my mouth I um like I my veins were really difficult and so I had two different ways of trying to get um chemo into me one of them didn't work it was incredibly painful I had like a number of like minor day surgeries like it could take eight or ten goes to find a vein by which point I'm crawling in my chair because I do not want to be there physically hurt so much um like I put loads of weight on because of the steroid like there's loads of stuff that go with it the treatment that helps you also hurts you um and so I don't want to like brush over it but neither do I don't want to glamorize it and I don't want to I don't want to give it more of a space than it deserves so there's this balance you find yourself living in the in-between I used to call it the liminal space because I couldn't think of any other way of like um I'm in treatment and I'm alive but it's meaning that I can't live in the way that I'd like to live still there's life to be found and so it was that that tension of holding those things together really and then I think the realization that I wasn't going to stop following Jesus. Mm. <laughs> and I remember God saying to me, you know, Sarah, you've, you've always walked by faith. This is an awful thing to walk by faith through, but you need to keep walking by faith. And so the invitation was, okay, help me Jesus to walk by faith through cancer, mm. whether the outcome is what I want or not, help me to walk by faith through it. And so then following Jesus is always about, has an element of the people and the places that you are around. How do you point people to Jesus? So now my, to use terminology that we might understand mission field was a cancer ward mm-hmm. and nurses mm-hmm. and consultants Amazing. and yeah. patients and the cancer community. And, you know, it wasn't like I was going in there and chucking John three, six at them and smacking them around the head. But I was like, I can be kind in this place. Mm. I can be loving to others. I can be patient whilst at the same time being a patient. And there were some days where, so I would walk into the cancer ward. I did, um, I had six and a half months of chemo. So I had 16 rounds of chemo, um, about three or four different types of chemo. And every time I would walk onto the ward, I would just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do today? Do I need to receive or is there someone you want me to give to? And there were some weeks where actually I needed to receive the care that I was not capable of doing anything other than sitting in a chair and crying or sitting in a chair and, you know, watching your hair fall, like, you know, whatever it was. And then there were other days where I felt the Holy Spirit saying, start a conversation with that person or Mm -hmm. offer your sweets to that person or, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was an an acknowledgement that although the space in which I inhabited was going to change, the call to follow Jesus wasn't changing. How it was going to and where it was going to change um, and so with the church, I just tried to support and help in whatever way I could. So if, if I was well enough, I would turn up at things. Um, I would, I'm a resource for information because obviously a lot of that stuff lives in my head and we had been able to do a proper handover. Mm-hmm. Um, the Elin Prayer stuff, I, I had to hand to the team who have done mm-hmm. an incredible job and are still kind of taking the lead in that, mm-hmm. um, to, to lead that. And then with some of my other responsibilities, I just had to kind of go, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't. And people were so gracious. Most people were like, so for example, Spring Harvest, who I work with, I was supposed to be working with them. And they very kindly just put me up for that week and said, just come and be on site. 
you know, we'll look after you. And they really, really did, you know? Wow. So yeah, that's great. Yeah. It, I, in some areas, it really felt like people, because I think sometimes I, I'm guilty of doing this with others. And I think other people are guilty of doing it with me. People are valuable for what they can give, mm. what they can contribute, as opposed to being valuable for who they are as a person. So and good, yeah. the majority of people's response was, no, we love you for you. And if you can never do any of these things, I found that hard because my brain didn't work in the same way. I didn't look the same. Mm. Um, and as much as we don't want our identity to, identity to be in the things they do, they are. They absolutely are. <laughs> and so you have to try and untangle some of those. And I had done a fairly good job, I thought, of untangling that a number of years ago. I'd gone on a real journey with God of like, oh, I don't need any titles or anything like that. Um but you do, you just have to go, okay. You God, really but... find out when it actually does get <laughs> taken away, don't you? I guess, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well. So, yeah, that's, so that's how I find myself sort of heading into into mm. the middle of 2022, really. So so let me ask you, Sarah, uh, I, I want to ask you in a, in a few moments about some of the kind of key things that the Lord taught you through, through that process. But um, uh, it would be good just to kind of, I guess wrap up the story. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm still alive. In, in, in that, if you're here, <laughs> you're talking to me. Uh, you are at this moment cancer free. Praise God. Um, uh, so maybe you would take us, you know, from the treatment uh, and just yeah, through 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 to that that moment where you 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 finally got that all all clear. Yeah. So as I said, it took a community of people family and friends and the church community rallying around I had an incredible prayer crew people I've never met before on a whatsapp mm. prayer group for me mm. in- incredibly humbling and astounding mm. um and it's when the church lots- is at its best isn't it oh and, you know, honestly yeah. like I I don't think there was a week where I didn't get like a card or some flowers or a That's pair right. of socks my skin got super <laughs> sensitive so I had to have like bamboo socks on so anyway just like just so much and so Finished the chemo in the September, had surgery in the October to remove the lump, um, which by that point, praise Jesus, had shrunk from the size of a giant strawberry to being so small that they needed to find the lump under um, a scan because you couldn't feel it or see it anymore, which was amazing. Um, And then, so I had surgery. I had some complications from the surgery and some infections. So that took a little bit longer. So I couldn't start radiotherapy until the following January. And then I finished radiotherapy in the February. And then I had my all clear in March of this year, March 2023. Um, And I'm on ongoing medication um, for five years, at least with, I would say weird and wonderful side effects, but they're just not very nice. Um, So uh, I would say that for me, cancer has been, I'm grateful it hasn't been life ending, but it has absolutely been life altering. Some of the things I took for granted before, I can't now. And I live with the ongoing effects of that. And so, which challenge my everyday life in really small ways and sometimes in big ways. Um, So, yeah, so I'm grateful that that it was treatable and curable. Um, And people talk about life after cancer. And I think it's more that you learn how to live with what it has done in you. And I think you can have a choice as to how you approach that. So um, I I would absolutely recommend therapy. I had counselling all through it, Um, cancer support groups, prayer groups, and I journaled 
my socks off, like literally would voice note things because I couldn't sit up in bed. I couldn't walk upstairs some days, you know, I couldn't hold a pen some days. Um, So I would voice note things and write things down. And um, each month for those people who are praying for me, I would put some of those thoughts together and some prayer points. And that was really helpful, like focusing and reflecting on what God had done that month and what was still a need, um, what was challenging and what was um, good news. So I found some of that really, really helpful. Um, yeah, and I'm part of a community that no one ever wants to be part of, but I found overwhelmingly the cancer community to be incredible. Mm. It's something that unless you've experienced it yourself, yeah, yeah, you don't really know. And I've been in pastoral ministry for like 25 years. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like I haven't been around. I've been with people in the final moments. I've been, you know, I've taken people yeah. to chemo appointments. I've sat in surgery. I, I remember sitting with a lady from our church who had ha- who had breast cancer and was given that diagnosis. And I sat in the appointment with her when she got that diagnosis. So like, I, it's not like I have been yeah. very separate from it. But there's there's nothing that quite prepares you for it when it's you, um, and so so now it's a case of what does a new normal look like? I thought that phrase after COVID was gone. Boo! <laughs> <It's back>. <laughs> <laughs> what does this new version of me look like? How yeah. do I embrace my body and her ability and not be annoyed with her when she can't do the things she used to do? Like. Yeah. How do I embrace them? My hair looks so different. You know, uh, my nieces don't quite understand. And one of them said to me, oh, Auntie Sarah, I really liked how your hair was before. And I could have burst into tears because I was like, me too. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) So she doesn't quite understand. She's too little. I was like, oh, me too. I was like, I'm just grateful I've got some more back. And she was like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> like you know so so they and i know that might sound really um trivial like oh yeah. how can you be how can you care about whether your hair's there or not when you're still alive and you know but it it becomes really important it becomes kind of woven yeah. into the the tapestry yeah. of, of who you are to be fair i'm more excited than my eyebrows came back because you have no idea <laughs> how much your eyebrows <laughs> frame your face i was like i think <laughs> i think i can put off hats for the rest of my life i'm not sure i can put off I'm not very makeup-y, so I was like, I don't think I can be penciling in eyebrows for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, Sarah, you said something a few moments ago. You said the treatment that helps you also hurts you. Mm. And I wonder if there's a truth there when it comes to our spiritual formation as well. <laughs> Do you know what yeah, I mean? Maybe. Except yeah. kind of the other way around, like, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I read a book recently um, called Deeper by Dane Ortland. And um, let me read to you a little quote from it. And I want to get your take on it, having been through what you've just been through. Mm. Um, he says, the New Testament tells us again and again that pains that pain is a means, not an obstacle to deepening in Christian maturity. The anguish, disappointments and futility that afflict mm. us are themselves vital building blocks to our growth. Pain will foster growth like nothing else can if we let it so mm. i'd be really interested to hear your your take on that sarah is that something you you agree with and and if so how like how has that been a reality for you in what ways has that been a reality for you in this um season that you've been through yeah that's a great quote isn't it oh my goodness yeah. i think i think the key is if we let it mm. <laughs> so um i've been thinking about this question 
and I think I think there's things I've learned and experienced that I wouldn't have without the pain. I don't think God sent it. I don't think yeah. I've done something to deserve it. Mm. Uh, you know, I think we have some really bad ideas around that sometimes. Yeah. But I think pain is so much more than physical. Mm-hmm. And the reality is that all of us in life, if we are given years to live by God, we will all experience pain in some way. Yeah, it, It's yeah. part of life, right? Whether yeah. that's physical or emotional or mental, yeah. uh, experiential, you know, something yeah. happens around you. Yeah. But I think pain only helps us to grow when we don't try to outrun it. We don't try to ignore wow. it. We don't yeah. try to busy or distract ourselves from it, from our own or others. Because I think we can do that. I think we can compartmentalize life or we can distance ourselves or we can turn away from something that we find a little bit awkward or embarrassing or, you know, in others' lives as well as our own. I think if we're willing to face it, if we're willing to bring it into the light, if we're willing to bring it to God, and I said, I said earlier, therapy, you know, if we're willing to share with others and ask God what he's doing and saying, if we're willing to make space to reflect, I think if we're willing to embrace limitations, which is really hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. really hard but the reality is we all live with limitations and we all yeah. live with unmet expectations because none of us can be like 24 7 all the time and so i think it's getting that mindset of like oh everyone lives with this this is my current set of circumstances everyone lives with not being able to do all the things they want to do or be all the things they want to be or go all the places they want to go and for this particular moment in my life and for some people this is a chronic thing they live mm-hmm. with this for their whole lives. Yeah. Um, so how do you do that? I think understanding that, you know, we all live with limitations and they can become superpowers <laughs> because <laughs> they are, it's made it so much easier to say yes and no to things for me. Cause like legitimately I can be like, Nope, I can't do that. Yes, I can do that. Yeah. So that's helped me. Um, and I also think you, for me, I found um, I think I wrote something on a social post with like joy tastes sweeter now. Wow. Because yeah. my life is less full of doing, but it's not less full. That's so good. That's and, so good. And I've had to come to the place where I realized just because I'm not doing as much, my identity, my worth, my value is not in what I'm doing. And in fact, you know, one of the things more than anything last year was I felt so loved by God in a season where I did the very least for him since I was 13 years old, which is over 30 years ago. Like I could offer him nothing, nothing. I had nothing to offer. I had everything to receive. I had nothing to offer. Um, I felt so loved, so loved. Um, And not because I was sharing it with anyone and not because I was trying to be honest and faithful. No, no, I just, there was a moment I remember lying in my bed one night and I was in so much pain and I was just very simply praying. I was like, Lord, just help, help me, help me, please help me. And it was like warmth and light flooded the room from the top of my head to the tips of my toes. I just felt bathed in warmth and light the pain didn't go but I just felt bathed in the presence um and I knew that people were praying for me I just knew it um and so pain will help you grow if you let it turn you towards Jesus like it will help you grow yeah but the other thing I want to say is that we also have to embrace mystery which sounds like a cop-out because we want pain to have a reason 
to like make it worth it somehow. Mm. And so whilst I can see some of the ways I've grown, I've experienced things about God. I don't think I would have experienced before and community. I don't know why. And I don't know why then. And to be fair, I've never, I've never wanted to ask why I did what I was like, why now Lord? Like this year was supposed to be a good one. Come on, sort it out. And so I've had to answer the question, like, is God enough if it doesn't change? Like, is God still faithful if I can't walk up the stairs? Like, is God present when I'm so terrified of a scan result that all I have to see is a cancer advert on TV and I'm suddenly shaking and crying and can't breathe? And like, there's a mystery to knowing God and we don't always know why. And so what I, I would caveat that with is, yes, pain can help you grow. Yeah. But... Even if you can't see tangible growth, embracing God and the mystery of it, it has been more powerful to me than the outcome, I think. So uh, of course, I'm grateful to be alive. Don't get me wrong. Um, and I know it's a privilege. And I know others who are listening to this, you or th- like your family members or people around you, they may not have had the same outcome. And I'm not trying to yeah. be lacking gratitude for for that um, but it's what it's made me want to pray more for others and with and for others. Um, but I think there's a mystery and I think we, particularly perhaps in the evangelical Pentecostal world, we're not so good at that. Uh, in other traditions, they can be a little bit more embracing of this idea of mystery. We, I feel like we're often looking, I'm often looking for certainties. And so like, even in the uncertainty, is God still good? Yes. Yeah. Is he still faithful? Yes. Like a key verse for me, I was baptized when I was 13, over 30 years ago. And um, it's Isaiah 54, 10, which is to a group of people who have lost everything, lost their sense of identity, lost their home. You know, they don't know what's going on. And the prophet Isaiah is trying to reveal something of the character of God that isn't about a place or a space, but is about who God is. Um, And Isaiah 54, 10 is just this beautiful verse that talks about like the the faithfulness of God, like even though the mountains and the hills might be shaken and removed, yet my unfailing love for you and my, nor my covenant of peace will be removed. And that for me was it. God is my firm foundation. This life is a roller coaster with some serious dips right now, but he is no less loving and faithful. He is no less full of peace, the Prince of Peace towards me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it can, if we let it turn us towards Jesus. But I also think we have to come to a place of going, we may not ever know. We may not know why. There there may be no obvious reason or obvious growth in it. Um, Will I still trust Jesus anyway? Um, And, you know, I'm able to say yes (laughs) to that. That's been my experience. So good, Sarah. It's it's such a good word because there there is kind of like a new prosperity gospel out there isn't there which isn't the like which isn't the like you know um god's gonna like fill your bank account and yeah. give you a big house if you're faithful to him but it is the like you know you're going to see a victory and you know you may be in the valley now but there's a mountaintop coming and like the best is yet to come and all of that kind of stuff and yeah. it's like it, like is it is yeah, it, it no because if, if what we mean by that is like Jesus is coming again and he's going to remake the world and heaven and earth are coming together. And, you know, there's going to be no more tears or pain and, you know, we'll be with him. Then, then yes, the best is yet to come. 
but you know, right here and now, sometimes it isn't. No. And sometimes the, the cancer does come and the recovery, you know, doesn't happen. Yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, so there, there is no promise in scripture that life is going to be up and to the right. In fact, no. Jesus said in this world, you will have trouble. And so learn. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and so what you're saying there, Sarah, about learning, wow, to embrace God in the mystery. Yeah. Um, when there's no guarantees that this situation is going to turn around. And this might be something that, you know, I have to live with until that day, you know, that I'm with yeah. Jesus or that Jesus comes back and, and, and remakes the world. What that that is Christian maturity. You know what I mean? And, and perhaps, perhaps that's something we can only, perhaps that's something we can know in our heads because we can read it in the scripture, but that perhaps that's something we can only really know when we have to go through it, you know? Yeah. And I, and I think, yeah. And I think, so my best friend um, lives with a chronic condition. Um, and so I have watched her navigate that with, um, honesty and grace and um, frustration and all of the stuff that comes with that. Um, and there's no guarantee for her. She may get better, she may not. And so she lives with that as a as a reality in her life. Um, and yet she still loves Jesus. <laughs> she's still yeah. turning up to him and she's, she's still um, making the most of the energy that she does have and the opportunities that she does have. Um, and you have to grieve what you've lost. Like it's so important. Like you have to name it. You have mm. to grieve it. Like I miss the old me. I do. Mm. I miss, I miss the certainty that I used to think that I lived with. I miss taking for granted oodles of energy and not really mm. worrying about my health. I miss my hair. You know, I like I miss, I miss me. I miss the old me. Um, but I'm grateful for what God's doing in me now. And so I think if we're always thinking about the past or we're always thinking about how it's going to improve in the future, we miss what God is doing now. Like what is God doing now? What is he saying now? What is he showing you now? And I'm really rubbish at living in the present. I love to escape to the future. Mm. Um, and this is again, one of those things God's now, what am I doing now, Sarah? And, and what was really helpful was like um, that sense of just coming back to God again and again and again and again. I wasn't going to bore him. I wasn't going to inconvenience him. I wasn't going to interrupt him. I wasn't going to upset him. I could keep coming back moment after moment and taking it, you know, because of some of the treatment, I could only take it 20 minutes at a time. Mm. Great. I feel good for 20 minutes. Oh, I feel awful for 20 minutes. Oh, I'm not quite sure what I feel for 20 minutes. Oh, now I've slept for four hours. Like, you know, like you and and starting the process of recovery i'm six months into recovery now and it could take years and who knows how recovered i'll get we just don't know mm. there's no guarantees mm. so mm. i definitely have energy i'm working part-time mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. i i'm i'm gonna drive like a bit of a distance this week for the first time i'm gonna see how that goes and yeah. you know so i'm starting to do some of those things that felt like i don't know usual for me um yeah. But like, even if I, that doesn't come back, what's God doing now? What's he saying now? And, and in that, mm. trying to keep, keep that awareness of, of the presence, the loving presence of God now. Um, I, I really believe in reviewing and reflecting. I think that's brilliant. And I believe in praying. And, you know, I, I haven't stopped praying for miracles. Like I haven't stopped believing yeah. that God can do wonderful, mm. miraculous, brilliant things. But I think, I think my life of prayer has absolutely changed. 
Mm. Um, in some of that growing awareness of just the moment by moment reality that God is with me right yes. now. I've got you, kiddo. I've got you. Yes, Jesus, you have. Mm-hmm. Because even with all the community and all the love and all the support and, you know, my family and my friends, it, there are moments it's just me and Jesus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, even with all of the help and the care and the kindness. Um, and I think... I think the other thing that's been really helpful to realize is that that all started the minute I said yes to Jesus, Yeah. <laughs> like that, that ability to be able to be brought through and face painful and difficult things and be honest about it. It starts with all the little decisions before that moment yeah. <laughs> to talk to Jesus and to grow a life of prayer and to, mm-hmm. um, to walk by faith with him, you know, yes, yeah. he can yeah. do it in the minute, but but I, I honestly believe that there were lots of things that were in place in my life already that have helped me through this, this last yeah. 18 months. Yeah. 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 That's, that's so true. That's so true. So Sarah, we, time is eluding us slightly and this has been so powerful and so inspiring, but before we finish, I, I, I do want to turn our attention to, um, to, toward young people. This uh, mm-hmm. series is obviously about, how young people are transformed. And so what I want to ask you about, Sarah, is when our young people are are going through stuff in their lives, big or small, um, how how do we help them to, I guess, uh, walk through it in the way that you did, staying close to Jesus? How how how, how do we help them to, to to understand that God, you know, the the fact that they are going through a challenge in their lives does not mean that God has left them or forsake them, forsaken them, or that He doesn't yeah. care or that He's not listening. Um, uh, and and how do we how do we help them to to kind of leverage the challenges that they face in their lives? for deepening in spiritual mm. maturity and being becoming more grounded and rooted in God rather than turning away from him um, in, yeah. in those moments of pain. How, how do we as leaders help them to do yeah, that? Yeah, that's that's really good. Um, well, I think for most youth leaders, you're in relationship with, like you're in community and connected to your young people. So I think that's really, really important to know what's going on in their lives, to be aware, to make space for that, to not be so full of program that there's no opportunity for conversations. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. sometimes it will come mm-hmm. just as, oh, my grand's in hospital. Okay, that is a big thing in the life of a young person. Right. Um, I think understanding pain and suffering for ourselves, having an understanding of what we think about it. I think sometimes we think it won't happen to us or we've done something wrong and so we're being punished. So to have that awareness that a young person might be thinking that, oh, that'll never happen to me or what have I done to deserve it? So to help them to talk about that and understand that, to teach them and lean into prayer for themselves to be able to mm. like you can mm. talk to God. He's not going to be put off by anything that you share, by anything that you're going to do, and He can help you in it. Um, I think we've got to be careful that we pray with expectancy, but not expectation. And what I mean by that is we pray with the expectancy that God can and He is able to, but not with an expectation that He'll do what I want or what I need and have an outcome. 
Yeah. Because I think that's where we get a little bit like disappointed with God and frustrated. It seems like God's not answering yeah. prayer. I think we can build expectancy for boldness in who God is and what he's capable of, but not like, well, if he doesn't give me the thing I want, then obviously he's not God. Um, and I think we live in an we live in an instant fix world, right? And so for, I'm the last generation, I'm like a micro generation. The last generation had an analog childhood and a digital adulthood. Um, and for young people growing up now, they've only ever known instant, instant everything, instant yeah. access to information, instant yeah. everything. They're going to be Googling things. They're going to be looking for, like, they're going to have access to information. And so our role as leaders with young people in that formational is how do we help them to process that? How do we help them to find the right information? How do we help them to apply what it is to follow Jesus to their lives? And that verse you read at the start from James, it says the testing of your faith produces endurance. Mm-hmm. And you have to have faith to start with. Mm. Like, like maybe having a conversation about what or who their faith is in um, and realizing like it's never too late to put your faith in Jesus. Like just because it's a crisis moment, it's not like God's going to be like, oh, I can't believe you put your faith in me now. He's going to be like, yes, come on, I can help yeah. you with this thing. Yeah. Um, and then I've just written a couple of sentences that I find helpful. So I, I would say our role as leaders in those environments particularly with young people is to create these spaces so to let it lead you towards jesus and not away from him mm-hmm. like there is nothing they've done nothing they can do nothing that happens to them or around them or within them or anything that means that jesus will turn them away like he mm-hmm. he is with them and he's for them let it lead you towards community and away from isolation so look for those who are disconnecting what's mm-hmm. going on in their world that isolation is really especially when you're in pain it magnifies everything so something that feels really really small that in your normal world you'd be like oh i can cope with that it's magnified out of all proportion your ability to deal with that plus as a teenager you've got hormones everywhere like Mm. your ability to deal with that is really limited and if you isolate yourself you're going to be in your head all the time or you're going to escape to numbing things which have dangerous consequences right so if someone is trying to numb out or if they're disconnecting like having those kind of conversations let it lead you towards honesty and away from pretending Mm. so you do that by example so we are not wanting to like lay all of our burdens and our problems on young people but being able to say hey like i had this skin and this thing happened and this is how god met me your story your testimony of honesty mm-hmm. will permission young people to do the same um because they'll spot a fake a mile off anyway right yeah. so oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. like let it lead towards let it lead towards honesty and not pat answers like not just chucking a bible verse at them but like real Mm -hmm. honest conversations one of the things that was so helpful was learning to lament to just be so honest like i've got a playlist on my phone that's called it's literally like when i just want to scream and shout and i'm in so much pain and i just stick it on and i have a good old mum to god and it's all good um i've put it let it lead you towards dependency on the spirit and away from relying on your own abilities Mm-hmm. Let it lead you towards empathy for yourself and others and away from selfishness. And, you know, let it lead you towards life in Jesus and away from what the culture may tell you life looks like and success looks like. This is life. Pain is life. Suffering is life. And I'm not a negative person, um, but helping young people to understand this is a part of what it is to be a human. Um, and it, it's okay. And mm-hmm. you will find a way through. And we are here to help you do that. Mm so good uh yeah it's, it's 
that's so helpful and it's brought brought a load of things to mind like what and connecting it back to what you were saying earlier about learning to be with Jesus in the mystery yeah and I think there's a really interesting thing in terms of youth ministry where um with with the onset of puberty um what's happening in a uh without going too much into the neuroscience of it which time you kind of doesn't permit us to do here but essentially comes the onset of abstract thinking yeah and so what's happening with our teenagers is that they're they're moving from the the black and white and very literal thinking of a child to the the much broader palette of um yeah abstract thought and third person perspective and 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 with that comes all a whole like realm of new abstract questions Mm -hmm. that they hadn't been able to consider as a child because of what's happening in their brain development and I think it's so important Sarah isn't it for us as youth workers to not be afraid of those questions but actually to make room for them Mm. and like you said not feel like we have to give like pat answers to all of those questions but to learn what it's like and how it is to not to avoid the questions because we haven't done the research but (laughs) but but to be able to sit in the tension of the mystery and Mm. to hold those questions before god um yeah and the thing that you mentioned there about the play the playlist sarah um Yeah, that was the, a friend. That was a friend of mine's suggestion. They were like, "You're too polite, Sarah. Like, yes. you need to like swear or break something or do something. Like, what do you, do you need to do something?" And I was like, ah! "And they were like, I love metal music. Back in the day, that was my thing. They were like, put together a metal. I was like, great idea. So I did, and I I use it occasionally still today. <laughs> yeah, but but what what that touches on is a spiritual discipline that we barely ever practice on our own, let alone together with our young people, and that is the discipline of lament. Yeah. Like when you read the Psalms, like, I don't know about you, but often it's quite uncomfortable because I'm like, I don't, I'm not sure I'd pray that. (laughs) I don't know. I want to pray that your flesh will be stripped from your bones. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I want to pray that my enemies will be destroyed and ground into the dust. (laughs) Yeah. And I think the thing about Psalms is that like, I don't think we can take much in the way of theology from the Psalms. Yeah. But what the Psalms teaches is how to pray and yeah. it's to pray with honesty and authenticity. And, you, you know, one of the most powerful experiences I've ever had in youth ministry, Sarah. Um, now, you, you and I, um, we, we have a friend um, who died of cancer a couple yeah. of years ago. Um, and I had just the immense privilege of, of, of the week following that. He, he was a friend who was also in ministry. He was lead pastor of a church. I had the immense privilege of going and spending some time with the young people of that church mm-hmm. the week, you know, just directly after he, he passed. And um, like, it was, it was an amazing time, a heart wrenching time. But what what we didn't try to do when we gathered with the young people is bring, like you say, like wrote answers to the questions and why, mm. like why hadn't, you know, we were all praying and fasting and we were all believing yeah. and God didn't heal him. Like, why didn't God, like, I can answer that question. But what yeah. we did is we, you know, we did it kind of like in an interactive way is essentially what we did is we wrote a Psalm of lament together that mm-hmm. contained their words. And honestly, Sarah, like I, it's one of the most powerful things I've ever experienced in youth mm-hmm. ministry. And 
like what would it look like for us as youth workers um not like to really help our young people to enter in to the reality of their emotions in the in a yeah. time of pain and to be able to express it like unfiltered to yeah. God and to like you say not be too polite and not worry if there's a like a swear in there <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I think we could be too like caught up with some of those things sometimes. Right. right. Because there's something like, there's something about that that we see all over the Psalms, isn't there? Mm. Where it's just like this unfiltered, like re like that's, that's really praying. Yeah. And to allow healing in that. Yeah. And to allow people like words aren't always the thing for people either. So it might be music, it might be art, it might be physical, it might be, you know, like for some, it's hard to articulate what that is. So it might be movement or drama, like think, think creatively about how, how those spaces can be made. Um, You know, for some young people, they need silence and for some they don't. And so I think it's just that awareness of that as well. Mm, Um, Good. Like I, I am a words person, so I will always lean towards like, hey, let's listen to what God wants to say to us. Or you know, like that is that I, I love that. But I, I'm I'm beginning to realize even things as simple as so we did this, um, and again, this is just a really simple, creative way. I just got a load of postcards with different images on them, and I just allowed the young people to pick one and, and like let it speak to them about what God wants to speak to about. That's so if you're brilliant. thinking, how could I do? that kind of thing with young people maybe that's just a simple way and then that becomes the the stepping off point of like well let's talk about what emotions that evoked in you and why it, you know and though that could be a really helpful tool as well yeah really good really good really helpful um uh, but what all of that does is like you say it's it's helping us to 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 kind of walk with God in in the mystery mm. isn't it and what, a, what yeah. an important thing that is and that's certainly a takeaway for me from this conversation Sarah uh, our, our time has eluded us but if there are any final thoughts anything that you didn't get to say that you just want to add or anything you would just kind of want to re-emphasize and leave us with as we talk about this idea of of pain and and how God uses that to kind of transform us and and, mm. and deepen deepen us uh, what any final thoughts I think. Um... My final thought on that is spend the time putting the building blocks in because we will all have to face the mystery of pain Mm -hmm. or disappointment Mm -hmm. or unmet expectations. And even though it may feel like when you read your Bible or listen to your Bible or uh, pray, even if in, in those small moments, it feels like nothing's happening. What it's doing is building foundations in you so good. Absolutely that right. when, yeah. that when the shaking comes, when everything feels like it's falling apart, you already have reserves in you. You already have a way that you know to connect with God, even if it changes in that season and to know that what serves you in one place and space and time won't necessarily serve you for the whole of your life so to keep coming back and trying those things again Mm -hmm. trying silence Mm -hmm. or or trying a playlist you know um because you might need something different like my life of prayer looked very different the last 18 months because i needed Mm. something different but that ability to connect with god was already a part of my life while it was while it was intensified during that period of time um I, I didn't have to start from scratch. So that's what I would say. Don't don't start from scratch in those moments if you can help it. Start building some of those things yeah, in now. Very good. 
So good. Sarah, thank you so much. Thank you for, um, thank you obviously for, you know, being so honest and vulnerable and, and sharing your story with us today and just everything that God's uh, taught you from it is so profound. But Sarah, if I, if I may just say like, thank you for the example that you've given to me and, and, and so many people and how you've walked through this season. Like, I don't like, you know, I haven't had to walk through that, but you know, whatever I do have to walk through in the years that are ahead of me, like I hope that I can walk through it with the same like faithfulness and, you know, hopefulness and just honesty and, and integrity that you have. Honestly, it's been absolutely inspiring. And, um, you know, as I've kind of, you know, watched on and heard the stories and read the blogs and, you know, as, as you've been going through this process, Sarah, it's just, it's, you know, uh, really just genuinely inspiring how you, how you stay close to Jesus and, and, and the, and the things that he's done in you as a result and, and to see, you know, how you articulate that now is, is amazing. So, so thank you for that example mm. and that inspiration that you've been to me, Sarah, in this time. Well, I wish people could see, cause I'm not actually blushing. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, I'm, Tim, to, Tim, I'm not used to being read so nice to me. I don't know what to do with that. It's, it's only because it's on a podcast. Um, I don't really mean it. No, I'm joking. I've met every single word. Every no, single I, word. I hope it's been helpful. And, you know, it, there are brilliant communities out there supporting people. If you are in a situation where this is going on in your world, yeah. there yeah. are great charities that support young people with cancer. There are great charities that support young adults with cancer uh, and other organizations. There is lots of help out there. If mm. you are in a situation, if you're caring for someone or you're seeing someone going through it, um, reach out to someone like I, I couldn't have done it without community. So please yeah. do that. Please do that. And, yeah. Yeah. And on that note, Sarah, maybe you'd maybe you'd send me some of those that have been helpful to you and, and we can link those in the show notes for anyone yeah. who's, who's gone, going through that. Sarah, could I ask that we would just conclude this episode? Would you just pray for us? Mm. Um pray for youth leaders as they walk with their young people, you know, through some stuff, but also particularly would you pray for those um who for whom this conversation is very close right now for mm -hmm. something in their life or you know in the life of a a, a family member or a close friend who, who's going through some of the stuff that that you've mm -hmm. been through would you would you pray for them too yeah sure yeah. father thank you that you are with us at all times mm. and thank you that your spirit is within us at all times that we whatever life throws at us, the good, the bad, the ugly, the painful, you are with us and you don't abandon us and you don't leave us and you don't disappear when we need you most. We can't bore you and Lord, your grace and your peace and your love is limitless towards us. Mm, yes, there is Lord. so much of us, so much of you that we can still discover in the highs of life and in the lows of life. And so Lord, I pray for those who are accompanying young people on this spiritual journey, that Lord, you would speak to them. It may be that they are going through some stuff at the moment. Lord, would you speak to them? Would you bring your grace to bear in, in ways that are really evident in their lives? Mm -hmm. Would you give them wisdom to know what to say and when to speak and when to stay silent? Mm -hmm. And Lord, would you bring about um, a, a wrestling through some of these things to coming to a place of embracing the mystery of who you are and of some of these things that doesn't diminish our faith, but grows it. That doesn't diminish the foundation of building on you, Jesus, but actually strengthens it. And Lord, for those who've listened all the way through to the end of this podcast and 
it is really painful. Mm. God, I know that you are good and faithful. And I know that right now into people's lives and into their hearts and into their minds and into their circumstances and into their situations, mm. you can speak your goodness, your faithfulness, your yes. peace, your mercy, your comfort. Lord, I pray that we would see a generation of young people who will turn towards you yes, when these things happen and not away. A, a, a generation of young people who will turn towards community and not into isolation. Yeah. A generation of young people who turn towards honesty and lament and gratitude and not pretending like they have to have it all together mm-hmm. or this facade uh, that nothing's bothering them. Lord, I, I thank you that the church exists Um to help and to be a part of these moments. And so I pray for your leading and your guidance in all of those things. Pray you bless the work and the ministry of Limitless. Um, and Lord, I, I cheer in on all of those youth leaders who are just absolute heroes. Mm. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us on the Limitless Leadership Podcast. All good. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. <laughs> And thank you to all of you listening. Thank you for, uh, yeah, listening, for subscribing, for sharing. But but more than any of that, thank you so much for all you are doing to serve young people where you are. You know, we can all remember uh, the people who were there for us when we went through difficult seasons. And guys, you are those people for the young people who you lead and serve. So thank you. Thank you for being present. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for being consistent. Uh, We want you to know that the smile of God is over your life today. Would you hear the voice of your father saying to you, well done, good and faithful servant. We want to invite you to Limitless Leaders on the 30th of January to the 1st of February. We love getting together with uh, other youth and children's workers. So, hey, check out the website and and come along to that, limitlessleading.co.uk forward slash leaders. And we will see you next time on the Limitless Leadership Podcast.